Okay, to approach the subject of Mashiach and uh, the Yehudim and Olam um, that I think the easiest way to do that is to begin by trying to describe a timeline that shows where all these things fall. There's a, a problem here in that the, the sources that deal with these things, legitimate sources, use many terms interchangeably. Words like Gan Eden, Olam Abba, Yes, Amazing, Yemaitim Mashiach, many of these words are used very non-specifically or interchangeably. It's very hard to know what is referring to what exactly and what the stages are. There are also many questions here. What exactly will be the status of the world in Yemaitim Mashiach? What will be the status of the world in Olam Abba? What will be... Um, with Torah, what will be with mitzvahs? There are sources that say that there will be no more Torah in Olam Abba. There will be no more mitzvahs. There are sources that say there will be Megillus Esther and, and Burim. There are sources that say there will be all the mitzvahs, including Korbanus. There are sources that say there will be absolutely none. There are a lot of uh, complex questions that you can put together in many permutations in terms of what will be the features of each of these stages. The general answer to those questions, which I'm not going to go through now in detail, but I recommend you look up yourself. There's a very lengthy section that is very nicely put together in the last paper that was published of the Leshem's work. Someone in Eretz Yisrael has taken all the parts of all the story of the Leshem that are Shabbalakol Nefesh, the parts that don't require technical Kabbalistic backgrounds, and constructed one comprehensive work bringing a lot of his sections that, they do have a lot of Kabbalistic material, but um, the, with the general background usually is good enough to follow through most of, most of, that, of that work. And that's known as Shari Leshem. And he has a, a classic section at the end of that work. He has the, the works organized into sections of Torah, things like the Chira, things like the Jesus Mitzrayim, Chesar Mauritian. The last section there is Yemosa um, Mashiach and, and, and related subjects. And there he has a very lengthy section of which he's collated of all the places the lesson talks about those things. And the general form of the answer to all those questions is, and he does a fantastic job of, of, of uh, laying it out for you, is that whenever we talk about uh, uh, ch- challenges or conflicts in the concept of Yemosa Mashiach, Olam etc., some sources say there will be mitzvahs, some say they won't, etc. What the lesson does is he sorts out the chronology of those phases in sequence and shows you how all of those comments are true, each one in a particular phase. When Mashiach comes, there will be a time with his Bechira and mitzvahs and Kobanus. Then there will be a time of Skirsamesim and then there will only be Purim and, and uh, Megillah. And then there will be a time when, when none of that will be shy at all. And he actually lays out for you very, very beautifully in sequence all the stages, each stage with its own characteristics and how the whole process is aspiring towards a, a final situation, that probably, I think, in our generation is the classic source if you're interested in answering those questions. But let us work through a timeline that gives an idea of what Chazal uh, tell us about the, the phases that will follow the phase we're in now. And let's try to make it not just a laying out of a timeline, but let's try to share a little bit of the Torah of, of, of these phases as well and see where it takes us. If you make, how's your imagination? Good? Good imagination? Good? Yeah. Let's make a timeline of history. Right. So we would say, the way to do it is, we would begin with six days, that would be the six days of creation, and then we move into a parallel corresponding 6,000 years. We are now about here. Right. We're about here. Because we have 5,700 the second 2000 ends around the time of the seeding of the Gemara, or at the beginning of the of the Gemara, after the mission of the days of Rath. And 2000 years later, will bring us to the year 6000, it's which time will end the U.S. will end the be, let's call it the Ramah for now, we'll go to more specifics. These 2000, these three phases of 2000 are different characteristics. The first 2000, is called 
Israel and God doesn't yet have a doesn't yet have a Torah form. Then there are from other Rabbis who all the plays of Torah should become Torah Bafet. The world has a Torah form. And then we come into what's called Mashiach, which unfortunately stays back to the same chaos. Okay, you have no not very easily. The same sort of chaos that there was before. It's not just chaos in the conventional sense, it's also chaos in very deep sense. For example, the Kadanish explains that the world no longer, in these 2,000 years of Torah, the world no longer has, in these 2,000 years of history, the world no longer has a Torah form. Just one classic illustration of that, although it's a deep and dirty subject, one classic illustration is that there are, there, are, there are physical things now in the world that are not normal. For example, the Gemara tells us, the Gemara talking about here, this way, talks about certain traits, classic examples. You make animals, and you make that make them what we call a traitor. Now, one of the characteristics of a traitor, not a defining characteristic, don't be confused about that, but one of the parameters or cor- uh, correlates of a traitor is that an animal that has one of these 18 particular, um, particular uh, in- injuries, lesions, uh, pro- uh, anatomical problems with it, pathological problems, this animal will not live for a year. Again, that's not part of the definition, don't make a mistake. If it has this injury, it's a traitor, irrespective of how long it will live. But it happens that the Gemara says that and it has application in medical halacha too. We call a person who's terminally ill somebody who'll live less than a year. It has application there too. But the, these particular types of injuries will not let the animal live longer than a year. Now, in our day, we see animals that have things like that that can be cured, that can live longer than a year. Completely against what the Gemara says. And conversely, we see animals that the Gemara says are not a child, which means no longer live more than a year. We see animals like that type. In other words, it appears that these in the area of traitors, I'm just talking about that right now, it seems to be that the Gemara is wrong. What Chazal is telling us is actually wrong in terms of its pathological consequences. So the Chazanish... The Chazanish says that the reason is that the, the time, the phase of history during which the world looks normal is only here. Here animals do what they're supposed to do. Here animals do what they're supposed to do. Here, what I'm not telling us applies. Because this is called Torah. We now move into a chaotic situation, a pre-messianic breakdown, where the rules no longer apply. And therefore, of course, don't, don't get confused. An animal that has a particular pathology is called a traitor anyway, and has all our lockers of the traitor. But don't expect it to obey the rules of biology that are the higher rules of biology because the world's now chaotic in that sense. Okay, are you with yeah. That's the famous Chazanation. There's a whole, someone wrote a whole cipher about a few years ago, maybe five years ago, called <laughs> a very interesting cipher. He, ca- he calls together all the areas of halacha that deal with natural phenomena that have changed because we're in the last 2,000 years. Many phenomena, our bodies are weak in many ways, our women's physiological cycles no longer function the way they used to with the same regularity. There are many things that no longer look the way they the way they used to. That's because we've moved into a set of... Two thousand years of When they... I think it's the days of Rav. Rav. Well, you can calculate backwards because we're perhaps 766. Thank you. Yes. No, so, Rav said about that, that the dialogue of the remains remain completely. Only what, what the Gemara is not talking about, and there's no interest to the Gemara, is that you'll see that some of the physiological phenomena do not correlate with halakhas anymore. And you may ask, about, and that's what the Chazan is doing. Now why do cures in the Gemara don't? No, no, no. The, why, the reason why cures in the Gemara are not... Excuse me, yes. Th- that, but that's only one of the reasons. The reason that cures in the Gemara, all the medicine in the Gemara is no longer applied. One of the reasons we no longer apply that is for this reason. There are others as well. And the, of, of the all halakha, of all basically halakha, the one classic area that no longer applies is both diagnosis, prognostication, and therapeutics that the government talks about. But one of the reasons is because it's no longer relevant in our, there's much deeper reasons as well. And all based on the misconception that the Gemara is really a, a medical textbook, which of course is not at all. By no means comprehensive as a medical textbook. It's not really talking about those things. But that's the that, that's important application, yes. So, now, and then we get to a phase called Yerushalayim, which is somewhere before the Yerushalayim. At 
the government calls it Yadam Sha'iba and Khaybin. That means you have free will, but very simple. Right? How that goes? You'll have the free, the free will where technically speaking you can make choices, but practically you would never make the wrong choice. Why? Because it will be a place of such clarity that no one in his right mind would make the wrong choice. Now you make the wrong choice because you think you can get away with it. But in that world, you wouldn't dream you could get away with it. It's absolutely... If you want an analogy, the free will in that phase will be like angels have free will, Malachim, or other Mauritian have free will. What kind of free will does an angel have? He has exactly the same free will that you have to walk into a fire. When you stand on top of a tall building, do you have free will to leap off? Well, technically yes. Practically, no. Because you see yourself immediately becoming part of the scenery, the consequences are absolutely great. <laughs> you just wouldn't do it. So, yes, you have free will, but in practice, it's almost irrelevant. That's how an angel is. Angels don't make mistakes, by and large, generally speaking, don't make mistakes. Because why? Because they're so clear about the reality. The reason we have free will is because we are... Anything beneath us in creation has no free will because it doesn't see enough animals. Anything above us in creation doesn't have free will because they see too much angels. We are picked at exactly that point of darkness where we see enough of the light to motivate us upwards and we stuck in enough of the darkness to motivate us. That's why we have free will. As soon as you move up into the, the zone of a malach, an angel, in that space human beings will have free will like that. That means you will be completely free to do an avera. But it will be as silly and as ridiculous and as obviously yeah, thankful and as walking into a fire, therefore nobody will. Now, the point again I want to extract is that you think it's immediate. You don't have, you have much less free will than you have now, but you have free will. There's a constancy and you say no free will at all. In fact, from here on in, the world looks completely different. Here's a thousand years here, and the world is and it's called Shabbat, and there the world has no resemblance to what it is now. It says the world will consist of water, it's called Kharun, the world will be destroyed, means the present format destroyed, consisting of water, Sadiqin floating over the water with wings. That's what you're going to look like. An amazing diaphanous wings, you're going to be floating over the water. Imagine that, we'll be sitting by each other, floating, an amazing thing, right? The feeling? That's what the Gemara says. Of course, what it means, needs discussion. But that's going to be a world completely... So, however you look at it, this phase of the Mishnah is intermediate between what we have now and what we have there. By the way, from here on in, we have no idea what it is. No idea. Maral says that the Torah never talks about this. Not only that we mentioned that there is such a thing, the Torah never describes what this will look like. And the Nabiim, when they speak, speak only about the Messianic age. All predictions of the, of the Nabiim and prophets are about the Messianic age. No one ever told us what this will look like, and the reason is because no prophet could see it. This is completely beyond the familiarity with human beings. And because I'm very wrong, I'm looking for those nobody can see the By the way, can I just stop for one moment? There are two times in history that are like that. You know that? These six days, not even being can see either. We can have no knowledge of what the world looks like in these six days. And we can have no knowledge of what the world will look like in the 7,000 years of the year. We can have no knowledge of it. The reason we can have no knowledge of this, is one subject, the reason we can have no knowledge of, no knowledge of this place, is it, beyond human comprehension. And Jerusalem says an amazing thing. Absolutely amazing when I saw this, I left that. I ran out of the Samaritan and he said, you look at this, it's posh, it's like, that's something to get excited about, it's one of the first things you should have realized. He says this, he says that, that the way the world works, the way the world works, when the six days of creation ends and the world begins, he says that the Torah description of the world here always has two layers. It's called chat. Chat means the simple description, and then there's what's beneath the surface, all the way down to sword. Right? The characteristics of chat and sod, as opposed to each other, are chat is what the word literally means. Not what things on the surface. Sod is always layer beneath layer beneath layer, unfathomable depth, which takes a lifetime of dedication and intensity and, and study to get some vision of what that, what that looks like. Now listen to this. That's how the Torah works. Like the six days of creation, what the Torah is doing, is all the Torah's description of the six days of creation, then the word tells you the Torah. And a lifetime of dedication and intensity and perception may begin to show you what it looked like in reality. Isn't that amazing? And why is it simple? Because obviously, the six days of creation, the Torah is talking to that. It's talking about that. It's talking about the root causes of the formation of the world. 
That's what I'm talking about. Let us leave the pregnancy, the embryonic phase, the genetic embryonic phase, and first begin at, at the end of the sixth day or the seventh day of creation as well begin. So here the son is talking what an hour looks like. You want to delve back into what genetic science is going to delve very deep. And here the son is talking to this. Which of course you know what that means. That when you learn know celebrations and you learn about the creation of the world, when you start having pictures of what it looked like, put a man in a garden and a woman, you know the kind of pictures they, they do for the children in the, in the Bible story books? Put a man in the garden, there's a lady, they've sort of got the fine sort of drapes over there, and there's like an apple, and that's, that's completely, completely ridiculous. They're completely ridiculous. That for sure didn't look like that. What does other motion look like? Physically, I'm not talking about interiors. What does he look like? Physically, he expanded to the whole extent of the universe. He occupied every planet. McCorshian says, do you know why there are so many planets out there? Why are there so many billions of light years out there with untold, undiscovered stars, planets? What for? The Bible also says to show you how rich he is. To show you what a stage he lays on for your life. But the Mukhubanans don't say that. The Mukhubanans say because those were relevant. Adam was there. Adam occupied the extent of the universe. He, was, he, he used the whole universe, not just the world. After the Chet got shrunk down, to a mere 100 others, which is about 50 meters. 50 meters, American, 60 yards, 70 yards, like that's how tall he was. After the chait. And then he got shrank down eventually, and after the marble, things got much more constrained. So, can you picture what a human being was who was made out of light? His skin was made out of light. Or, Aleph vibration. You know there's a kalal in Zimius that whenever an Aleph becomes an ayin, it represents a fall from spiritual to physical. Adam Rishon, Adam was clothed in garments of light. Ayin Aleph Vavresh. After the Chet, his skin became Ayin Vavresh. Or, Ayin Vavresh. Or, right? And the word, or, Ayin Vavresh, spells in Hebrew, Iver, blind. You can't see. What is light? You could see. Now you're clothed in a material that you can't see. That's why in English this is called a high. Why is this called a thick high in English? Because an high is good. So, you, yeah, you can't tell. We cannot tell back. And that's why the Okay. Now, 
rather for the edu- educators among you. That's why there's such a strong opposition to giving children picture books. Yes? That means there's even opposition to giving children pictures of Torah even in this way. Because when you give a child a book with a picture of Hashem, you absolutely destroy the Torah image. Because whatever you draw in your book isn't look like that. So some educators say it's okay to show it on the back, others say it's not so important, others say children pull their own immature pictures anyhow, so it doesn't matter. But many people are poisoned by images that they were given when they were three, four, five years old and never get those out of your head. That's why all of you, all of you, from as you are, when you hear the word God, you involuntarily see a big man in the sky with a white beard, and most of you even see a very uh, medieval arm reaching out, touching the fingertip of Adam. Yeah. That's what you see. And it takes an effort to eradicate those pictures. That's, yeah, that's how you, um, that's how minds work. Anyway, be that as it may, but certainly pictures of the face that there's no way to begin to picture, now that's completely... Now, here's our question. If, you, if Mashiach is intermediate, that means the enter is done, where there are some of the features of the previous set of, of, of era, era, and there are some of the features of the post-Christian era, here's the question. Who needs it? Who needs it? The question is like this. The question is that there are two phases of human existence. A phase of work and a phase of reward. You are here today to work and do the mitzvahs, and tomorrow to receive the reward. So here's the question. If, if we get to work, and we have real work now, real free will. Then when we get through the work of free will, we'll give you a reward. So if this is to be a reward, it's full reward. What are you getting made of half reward, half free will? Very little free will is amazing, beautiful identity system. And if you want to tell me that it's not reward, it's work, so you full work. Why are you getting three faces? I don't see any happy faces. It's a nice question. It should be. Huh? It's a fundamental question. One second. I want to answer it. What's here? Yeah. I mean, um, what's the Mashiach? Mashiach, then you're Yeah, another one. Yeah, another issue. But, Mashiach Mashiach is a good person phrase. Mashiach is clarification phase. Mashiach will clarify, 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 the problem is why do you need a phase intermediate? In the work, give me the full work with full free will. Because reward, give me full reward. Why do you need a half-way Some work, but very little. Work, but with almost no possibility of doing wrong. Free will, which is not practically relevant. Who needs it? What's it doing there? Do you hear the question? Okay. Now, there's much more than one... Uh, There's more than one way to answer this question, but let me share with you the Maral's answer, which is a, a wonderful insight. Maral says like this, and I'm pr- paraphrasing it very broadly to put it into more uh, easily digestible form. Maral says like this, I'm, I'm giving you one um, narrow application that comes out of his principles. It says Maral like this, Now, while you exist in this phase of history, you are seriously delicious. The fact that you have free will, which means you operate against tremendous difficulties, is very limited. For example, let's say you, you like to learn much more and develop your and admit it. There's a lot of practical obstructions. Learning, for example. Right? You have a very short life. Your life consists of many things that limit your ability to learn. You get tired. You get hungry. You have to make a living, support your family. There are tremendous obstructions. You may have family issues, all sorts of problems that may frustrate your desire to reach your perfection. Now, Hashem doesn't want you to have that. Hashem doesn't want you to go to, to, go to the next world in a as a frustrated, un-imperfect individual. He doesn't want that. He wants you to go into Shabbos. You know that the seventh thousand years is called Shabbos. And that corresponding to the seventh day of creation. Because the Ramban that works out the correspondence in detail. How each day of creation corresponds to a thousand years in detail. In detail, right down to the hours. So, Hashem doesn't want you to end up in history and then go into with all your imperfections that are not your fault, all the lack of perfection that you never managed to develop, you don't want that, you know what he does? Listen to this. He gives you a place of history during which you guarantee to reach your perfection, totally. That means the work of the world comes to an end, and Hashem says, that before you go to the Mamabah, here's the one to Mashiach. During your month of Mashiach, you can have no worries, no problems, no worries, no health worries, no, you have a rocket powered opportunity to take everything that you are and reach your perfection. 
but, but, on condition. Now listen to this condition. The, the world lasts for 6,000 years. Each of these corresponds to one day of creation. Then comes the Olamaba, which corresponds to Shabbos. So, let me work this. The days of the week, the days of the week, correspond to the years of the world. Shabbos corresponds to the world to come. Yeah? What corresponds to a Yomtev? You got Chol, weekday, you got Shabbos. The Chol, the weekday, corresponds to the years of the world. Shabbos corresponds to the next world. What corresponds to a Chag, to a Yomtev? Says Maral, you're Moshe Mashiach. These days are like weekday. You're Moshe Mashiach, are like a Yomtev. On a Chag, like Shabbos. Now what's the characteristic of a Yomtev? On a Yomtev, it's intermediate between Chol and Shabbos. Oh, you open your candle. But I don't even looking before it. I don't even look at the fire before it. Says my rock. Know what I mean? During this phase of history, you're going to develop yourself under all the circumstances that you find yourself. Then you'll have to be willing to Mashiach. Here you will have the opportunity to develop your absolute perfection, but only if you started before. None of your opportunities now. Especially if you get here. Any area you opened up with your personality, you're, you're tempted to perfect, and you were unsuccessful. Hashem is not going to say, if you're going to give you an opportunity where it's not fault of yours, you try hard, you didn't manage, now you get to learn this perfection. But only if you were the fire before. Actually, when the Maharaj looks at his stupendous, he says, you know what? He says, you went to Mashiach, it's like a Joseph on a Friday. It's a Joseph on a Friday. It's a Joseph that goes into shut. And what's that a lot of the Joseph that goes into shut? If you didn't make an error, that's what he meant. If you didn't listen to the speaker of Eretz Tashim, he said tomorrow, you didn't make an error on Thursday, so that Yomtev is making the Shabbat, your Yomtev ain't going to be making the Shabbat. You're going to make an error. You're going to spend your life now making the mix of Eretz Tashim. You're going to take all the work you're doing now and make it so that Yomtev can be continued on in preparation for Shabbat. And that's the secret, he said, of you going to the Shabbat. And so, and so Yomtev, just like a shit. Not more than no, yeah. beginning, last, last week, last week. So it's like, Well, the question here was, the Jews not share Mitzvah There's even worse news than that. Because when you're in the Mitzvah Mitzvah, not everybody's there's a list of criteria that you need to get there. The only way you can get to clear the not on the that everybody gets. But the amazing opportunity to experience this particular place, you need Torah. You need Torah. Either learn Torah, or make it possible for someone else to do it, like a woman, who makes it possible for a man, or a person to play somebody else. According to Rabbi Yashvi, who plays according to Rabbi Shapiro, he has to play it to the extent that he couldn't have done it otherwise. Not just that you give money to the right man. You make it possible. That's why it's so incredible, right? Because it's not without you. You make it possible. The Jemashay here is a little, a very specific topic. The Rakhal says that only 600,000 people here. Only the 600,000 original group of shamans that stood in my suburbs. Of course, many of us will be substituted to those group of shamans, right? And branches. And he has a lot of detail about the branches. But that is a unique place you make to share. During the event of Mashiach, you have to get to it. Now here it's very complicated. Let me just answer this question first and I'll talk about that. Yes? I'm sorry. The most of us here, who's that here and maybe they're holding the same interchangeably and where they last look at in the year? I don't know your question. Um, the most of us here, we have to explain the same interchangeably. Sorry, I just explained that. I explained like this. That you have 6,000 years of history, right? Right, that's right. We are now. The end of these 6,000, before the year 6,000, is some duration of Messianic age. Okay. But if you're 6,000, then you move completely beyond into a thousand years of Shabbat. Okay. So you must understand it's part of this world, not part of the next. Right, right, right. But at the end of the last 2,000 years. It's the last phase of the last 2,000 years. Okay. Last thing, how long? We don't know. Okay. okay. We cannot know. Now, yes. Yes. Not you don't. You're not successful, not if you don't. If you're not successful, the fact is beyond your control. You began the work. This is not going to be time of the same quality. It's issues quality, not quite.
Okay, now, Shirt um, and let's talk about that. We still got a lot of stuff to talk about. You're gulim and all that mysterious stuff. Don't you want to hear about that? Yeah, the main thing, the reiteration of the day, we're not talking about the fear of making that as a current branding to your issue, like I guess, for the pleasure. We're talking about a whole new, a whole new concept. Then uh, it will be, the Gibraltar Catholic said it two, two, two times, twice, get the main thing. It's a very interesting thing to show you now what the two phases will be. One phase of the estimating will take place when it's never to be revived. Somewhere at the beginning of the year, according to one opinion over the first 40 years, according to another opinion after 40 years, it's just like 40 days of preparation of the feeders, 40 years in the midbar, there will be then amazing. Um, a lot of detail about the phase and the sequence and the order. And these will be people who merit to see the Messianic Age. According to the opinion I told you in my Not just so. Very active coming here. Yeah. 
And then there will be, a, and they'll use the Arabs, the Ramban says, the Western nations will use the Arabs as a point of attack. They'll camp around the hills in tremendous detail. And then, by the way, it's after seven years of preparation. They want to say there's seven years of preparation during the fourth year of which there'll be a Balshiva movement. Many people coming back to their Torah festivities during this. Then the, the enemies will camp around Yerushalayim. Then there'll be a war, an awesome war. The Gaon says that it will be a war that will take 12 minutes. 12 minutes during which a third of the world will die, a third will survive and a third will be injured. Now 12 minutes we could fit in, right? <laughs> but imagine the Gaon saying that in 1790, that it will be an international war that takes 12 minutes. Must have been not like a misprint if there ever was one. Okay, you'll find that reprinted in your stern books. So, now, we don't know what this means. Again, we don't know what it means. We don't know what it will look like. Okay, this could be much less painful then it, that is meets the naked eye. We don't know, okay? But these are some of the events. Many, many other events. The Gemara says that in seven years running up to this, there will be political changes. The political changes will be that the parliaments of the nations will become houses of prostitution. In case you, you had no. <laughs> Etc. The tremendous, there's a, a seven year cycle that we don't know if it's seven or seventy or seven days or seven weeks. We don't know. Again, these are all coded references that will unfold as they, as they begin to happen. So, those are some of the ideas of Shia. What is Shia Samaitin? It's a whole Shia in its own right. Shia does not mean people will get up and continue walking. Shia means that death will be dissolved. That there will be no death, no passage into the past. As I tried to explain before, that the present will be ever present. You'll move from the present to the future without the present becoming past. Can you imagine that? No. It won't be a yesterday. Do you know what that means? You'll enjoy today and you move into tomorrow, not with yesterday as a present memory, but as yesterday here with you now. Living that as well. Can you imagine that? Every moment of ecstasy in your life will be felt with all its sharpness and you'll move into the next moment of ecstasy with that moment still being experienced. Can you imagine such a thing? Because the passage of time is a death and that will be dissolved. That was designed for a lot more than, than what we... And you have to prepare for that, of course. How do you prepare for that? You have to expand your consciousness. You have to be a person who wakes up in the morning hoping. Now, most people have sagas, oh, how the life today just won't be worse than yesterday. Like, that will be a successful day. That's not for a Jew. That's for you. To wake up in the morning today has to be a total explosion of creation. Every moment has to be a complete explosion. I've said, I'm looking up of the You know what that means? Up of the It wasn't poetic. It means I take everything that I am and I ash it into elements. And then I make that into the rich earth of a new growth. And as soon as that happens, I ash that and. and give birth to myself again. You can't be here today because you were here yesterday. That's called dying. You have to be here today because you recreate who you are. If you wake up in the morning, you just hope today won't be worse than yesterday. What kind of life is that? You have to see the opportunity after that. It's a tremendous message to finish. But here in the day, that's our timeline in terms of human question. Let's talk briefly about your good. Um, where are people who are dead now? See? People say they're in Ghana or Olamaba. Inaccurate. They're not in Olamaba. No, they're not. Olamaba is here. Nobody got there. That's after you have a Nobody's there. These people are not here. They're also not in well, Ghana. It's a complicated issue. Ghana is a temporary holding zone that you go to when you die. There's an initial phase. Here's a whole paper on this. The Sharag Moon. A, a whole paper, a wonderful paper. A rabbi in Detroit. You know what that is, Rabbi? His name? What? What's his name? I'm not sure. Who? No, 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 no. Who? What's his name? Yeah. He put out a paper a year or two ago. Beautiful parish uh, elucidating and bringing out the, um, the Ramban on all these things. Ghanaian is a initial phase that you get to after death leading into a the holding zone that goes throughout history. Um, by the way, that's also got scary stuff. I don't know if you're going to enjoy this, but um, scary transition from this world to the next. You have to go through a river of fire that's called the Nahar Dinur. Nahar Dinur, the river of fire, not Ghana. That's another problem. Ghana's another problem. This is called the river of fire. That's the transitional zone. You know, the Greeks have this too, right? The Greeks call it the Rubicon. Where did they get all this from? The river, the river, the sticks, the river sticks, right? That you go through that. Anyway, the point is, in the, in the folklore of the nation is always sparks of truth. But this is a river of fire 
Nahar Dinur means river of fire. The word Dinur, by the way, is the same letters as Yarday, the Jordan, which in Kabbalah means the river of Din. You have to go through that river to get into Israel. You have to go through that to get... That's a whole description of what it means and what that river is and what the river is made of. Do you know what the Ramadan Father says? I just can't resist telling you. You know, he says, the river, this river called the, the Nazinur is a river of fire. Do you know what it's made of, says Ramadan Father? He brings sources. It's made of the sweat of the Chayes to carry the Kisei. Yeah, again, Hashem's throne is carried by angels. Chayes. The Chayes are the angels carry up Hashem's throne. And they sweat. They sweat as they carry the throne. And the sweat that falls off them is fire. And it pours into a river called the Nazinur. And to die, you've got to go through that river. What does this mean? What does this mean? Listen to the amazing explanation of the Rami Pala. He says like this. These angels carry the throne of Hashem. Hashem's throne is not heavy. The Kvot Shemayim, Hashem's throne is not heavy. It's no it's no It carries those who carry it, like the others. It doesn't make any effort to carry the throne of Hashem. Why is it heavy for the highest? Because of all the Chimel Hashem you make. Every time you make a Chimel Hashem, every time you do an Avera, you make Hashem's throne heavy in the world. It's hard to uphold Hashem's covenant in Shemayim. So every Avera you do gives the highest work. And the sweat that falls off them is the result of the work that you caused. And you've got to swim through that. You know what I mean? It says, Al-Rish Rishayim Yachul, that the river of fire that pours off the sweat of the Chayesh falls onto the heads of the Rishayim. Because they caused that, had they, had they been the reason for Shemayim, that Kisei wouldn't have had any effort to hold up. There wouldn't have been no sweat of the Chayesh. Isn't that amazing? Mila Kanegid Mila, right? Okay, anyway, be that as it may, that is the... So, so now, the, 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 the trait, you know, when people die, they say a person dies, yeah. What is going to show the ghost? The Neshama goes to Olam Abba. It goes to the zone of the Olam Abba. Olam Abba is a spiritual zone where the Neshama has some of the pleasure of Olam Abba and some of the pain of working out its own problems. And that is a level called Olam Abba in general. Where is it? Where is it? Right here. Right here. Can the Neshama in that dimension hear us? Fantastic Mahlagos in the Gemara. According to one opinion, they know what's going on here. According to another opinion, they don't because they don't need to. According to the third opinion, they go in brachas. They know exactly what's doing here because other people who die take their news. When other neshamas die, they ask them, how's my family doing? And they tell them the news of what's doing here like people in another country. There's apparently a source in the Zohar, although I've never seen it, that says that they come down to weddings of children and grandchildren. You know, I didn't have a custom, amazing thing, absolutely amazing. I went to a, a wedding of a, the son of the... The grandson of the Diyala Rebbe. His grandson, I happen to know his, his son, he's a in Manchester, and we've had a long association, and I went to his son's wedding. And I, it was a new amazing, very, very amazing um, effect, two Hasidic dynasties, right? Very. They had a person there, an elderly person, singing a song. I don't know if some of you are Hasidim, I come from South Africa, it's all, all this back. This fellow was singing a song, welcoming the ancestors to the chuppah. Have you ever heard that? Amazing. He was great. First, he, uh, I learned, it took about half an hour. First, welcoming the, the grandparents to the chuppah by name. Mamish welcoming them in to the chuppah. And then the, grand, the great grandparents, a long, illustrious line of Hasidim. He went all the way back to all the greats of Hasidim. They were all personally, not just invited, they were all personally welcomed as if they were walking into the hall to be present, right? Amazing thing. Very emotional thing. Anyway, and the chatham was like shrinking smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, you know, it's like... Um, the, um, that's called Olam and the Shamas. And there's a whole din of Olam and the Shamas. They can be contacted. The Shamas in that world can be contacted. They can be brought down here. Of course, it's not allowed. It's a very negative thing. The Mephoshim say that if you contact the soul of a person Olam and the Shamas, it causes them terrible pain. You know, it's very fashionable to do that in the secular world. The secular world, tremendous popular thing of getting hold of the Shamas, seances, in the current, um, the current jargon is that they can become your guide. You get in touch with a guide. They, they are, we have exactly the opposite conception. Is that they cannot help you, you can help them. What about with, Lawrence Fallon and Alexander? There was a whole shiur in it two days ago. An idea of doubling and a kever. About the permissibility of doubling and a kever, or rather what the focus should be. Because not allowed to speak to dead people. Not allowed to speak to angels, dead people, asking them. Some people don't think Shalom Aleichem will fight because you appear to be asking a malach to give you a bracha, that could be a vodazar. You have to be very careful. You can all share on that problem. So, now I'm sure it was recorded.
So these are souls that can, we know they can be contacted because of incidents in Tanakh, right? Shmuel was called down by the Balasoid for show. It's an amazing thing about it. You know what it says? That he went to this woman, this guy, and she shouldn't know he was the king because it was forbidden, a pain of death. She called the soul, she called down the soul of Shmuel. As he appeared, the Rebbe said she knew that the man next to him was Sholomar. Why? Because normally when a soul is called down, it comes down upside down. It appears upside down. I'm not going to go into the reasons, amazing thing. But in honor of Malchus, it came the right way up. And as soon as she saw the soul of Shmuel, she knew that this man was sure. Amazing thing. And then the Gemara says that, that Shmuel complained. Because when he called down, he had tremendous anguish when, when they called him. Why? Because when he heard his name being called, he thought he was being called to death. And he had tremendous pachat. In fact, the Midrashim say he grabbed hold of Moshe about it to come and testify that he never did anything wrong. And in case you think that's scary, how will you feel when you hear your name? Imagine, right? Shmuel Anofi heard his name. He was absolutely petrified when he heard his name. He brought Moshe. So how's an ordinary person going to feel when they hear it? So we don't call out their names. Actually, the Mukubali have another problem. How could a woman with such tumor get hold of a Mishnah of such Kedusha? It's interesting the way the mind works, right? These are the minds of the Mukubali. How could a woman with such using complete tumor, forbidden, pain of death, if a killer policy, how could she get hold of the Mishnah of Shmuel? And the answer is, every soul has layers upon layers upon layers. Shells outside of shells, outside of shells. She was able to get hold of the outermost, lowest vessel. The lowest garment, the one closest to the world of physicality, she could get a hold of that. And by means of that, she could pull. Anyway, there's a whole discussion on That's giving credence to her power. That's doing what? That's giving credence, validity, to her power. That's What's that's the problem? In other words, that's saying there are people who can do such things. What's the problem with it? Who said they're not? What's the problem? You're making an assumption that's not valid. Of course it's valid. Even the among the guys. Why not? I've seen witch doctors use papers to do all sorts of The problem is that most people today claiming to be doing such things are just pure charlatans and money makers. There are three groups today. There are those who are completely invalid. There are those who are invalid but sincere. They're sincere. They think they have. They mean. And then there's a very small group left that know what they're doing. Okay? Avoid all three. <laughs> okay. Now, um, now, this is all over the shop. Now, yeah. Let's finish with this. You're good. And the shah that leaves the world, okay, here in history, can come down again. <coughs> can come down again as a gilgul. Huh? A gilgul is that the shah comes down in a new body, in a new face. But people have terrible misunderstandings about this. First of all, it's not the same neshama. Not the same soul. It's only the part of the neshama that needs a tikkun. The part that's affected what it had to do doesn't need to come down again. Which means as history progresses, smaller and smaller fragments are coming down. Right? Smaller, I mean, all that's coming down is the remaining part of previous people that didn't get it. All the parts that have been corrected are always remaining where they are. So it's only the fragments of the Nishama. It might just an effort. Says the Ram, says the Ari. Yeah, the whole lengthy welcome is. You can read it. It's very open. Yes. Is that no. I'll, I'll explain that. No. He says like this. Imagine you have a neshama that has something un- incomplete, uncompleted, for many, many possible reasons. The parts that were not completed need to come down again. Now, man, don't do the job in the second Google. Has to come down again. The parts that are not completed. What? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Now, there are a number of reasons that a neshama could come down again. One, because it never completed its work in the previous. Two, a special barrier that it needs to be metaken. Three, it never did a certain mitzvah because it couldn't. For example, he says, Dari, every neshama has to come back until it's done all the mitzvahs in the Torah. Now, there's no way you can do all the mitzvahs in the Torah in one view. You can't be a man and a woman, uh, unless you live in Southern California, maybe. But I mean, normally... <laughs> You couldn't, uh, with all, all, all due respect to the Californians, but the Californians are so cool, they never hold it against them. Anyway, the point is, um, you'd have to be a man, a woman, a coin, a lady, you'd have to be everything, right, to fulfill all the mitzvahs. Every neshama has to fulfill all its organs. Each organ corresponds to a mitzvah, mitzvah's asset. So it has to come down again and fulfill all the mitzvahs. Secondly, there are special punishments. Gilgul can be a terrible, terrible punishment for certain sensual crimes without going into detail, and the, shaman, and the shaman could be brought back in a rock. Trapped in a rock. You don't mean as a rock, it's not the problem being a rock. Or underwater. 
stifled underwater. Or, for example, he says that the punishment for homosexuality is for a neshama to be brought back in a woman's body. Not a woman. A man stuck in a woman's body. And he has a great detail about all the, all the consequences. Women, incidentally, don't get your bullying. Good news, huh? They just get your hand. Okay, now... I'll tell you what it says. I'll tell you what it says about that. Fascinating piece. I don't know if everyone agrees to this, but he has a lengthy section in Shah Gilgul where he says that normally women don't need Gilgul. There's a, a method of Tikkun called Gehenna, which anybody could get, but, uh, but Gilgul has particular reasons. He says an amazing thing. Women ordinarily do not have Gilgul. Here's where they have Gilgul. It says like this. The Gemara says that a Zibuk Shani, listen to this amazing thing. Zibuk Shani, a second marriage is difficult. Second marriage is very difficult. Says Ari, you're making a bad mistake. It doesn't mean a second marriage. First of all, second marriage is often very good. Often people are much more mature, know what they're looking for, much, much, much that's not mean that. That's not, that's not a second marriage. Second marriage, says Ari, is a marriage to the same woman in a second lifetime. And it's a, a, a second marriage of the same couple, because they part of the same woman. What's that to marry each other? And what happens is this. Here's a couple that are married, and they leave the world. The man, unfortunately, needs to come back to meet the Takam Sertanik as a Gilgul. The woman is commanded, sent down again to the world, so that she can marry her again in the second lifetime, and she gets upset. Because the reason she needed to come down again is because this slug <laughs> needed to get sent down again to fix himself up. So she's sent down again to marry him. And that's a second marriage. That's what he says. The second marriage is not another marriage. It's the second marriage to the same woman in the second lifetime. And then she is resentful because she didn't correct himself in the first. Anyway, that's some of the pattern of Gilgul. There's one final thing I'd like to mention and I'll stop here, and that's called Gilgul. Gilgul is when the soul comes down and is born again. Now, he, for example, in the time of 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 the time he tells the five people that he was before, that he told him. He says exactly who he was in the previous three generations. He was a certain Spanish individual who made a mistake in the British Miller, and he had to come down again because of that. Before that, he was. He got to the five personas that he actually was, and he lists them and explains why he had to come down in each one. The Ari used to tell his family, You were this, you were this. He walked him on the graves. The Ari used to show them the Nishamas in each grave. And what they. Okay, so let, let, let me finish and I'll, I'll stop, okay? Um, the humor is this. Let's say you have a... This is a letter, but she's going to get the details of the judge There's a thing called evil, very briefly, evil means that a person could not, a person can be born as a neshama from a previous state, but a person can also be alive in the world and have another neshama come into him while he's alive. That's called evil. One of the reasons, says the Ari, is that a person, for example, let's say a person's alive and he does a particular mitzvah incredibly well. It does a mitzvah with particular dedication and love, intensity and perfection. At that moment, could snap into him a tzaddik from a previous door who specialized in that mitzvah. And he now carries two neshamas. Right? And it represents a tremendous aliyah for him. And at some later stage in his life, it could leave. That's called evil. Not at birth as a new neshama, but a receiving of a new component of the neshama as he's alive. Right? As if it were evil, the pregnancy within him. Right? Or her. And that could happen... Uh, repeatedly finished. Now, there's a lot more detail. All I've done is briefly sketch the... What I've not done is discuss the teachings of Olam Not that we didn't even begin that subject. There's a 7,000 year, but there's also an 8th and a 9th and a 10,000 years. We didn't discuss the other shit, isn't it, we're showing The Rebbein B'chai says that all of this, all of this is only one place. But it's one of 7,000 places, and there's 49,000 of those. The 7,000 years we go through now are only one phase of 49,000 cycles. And there's 49,000 of those. And in each cycle of 7,000 years, there's nine years. Back here was a cycle of 7,000 years that preceded precious. Okay? In fact, it's one of the explanations that I should create in the story world. There were 7,000 years at every year. And then we began our 7,000. And our shamans now are like humans compared to fish. Back here. But it's a tremendous only 
and in the next 7,000 years, we will look like fish. Compared to the elevation of humans, which numbers in the next, and there are many sources of documents. In fact, the totality of all the 49,000 cycles comes to about 15 billion, which is interestingly more or less what the modern cosmological theory holds has been the time since the Big Bang. But be that as it may, you'll find this reference that's been in a book called Challenge, you'll find it even translated into English. And, um, sorry? A book printed about 20 years ago on science and Torah has translated Rabbeinu Bukhai on this particular piece, and you can look it up, it's called The Cosmic Jubilee. If you want, if you want to read it in English, he goes into that. There's a piece called Immortality, Resurrection and the Age of the Universe by Rabbi Arya Kaplan. He translates an old manuscript of Rabbi Yitzchak of Akko, Talmud of the Ramban. It goes through the same calculation. This is a well-known opinion in the Rishonim. The Ari does not accept this. This is not the opinion of the Ari, which is basically today's definitive opinion. I'm going to stop there and we'll try to continue. <laughs> Light goes out. Keep watching around.